Guys, we have a special episode today. I am interviewing Rachel Grohl, the author of the Bible study, She Hears, Learning to Listen to Jesus. And I was just so excited when I um, came across Rachel in a business group that we're in because I just think that her mission is so important. And she's just really all about helping women grow in their understanding of how God sees them. So we have a great conversation. We talk all about how Jesus speaks to women and he calls women. Um, we talk about tips on getting into the word and how to study it effectively. Um, you know, what's going on when we feel like we're in a season where we're not hearing from God. And then lots of other good things like um, trusting God with our kids and um, things like that. So the conversation is awesome. So check it out. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the Nurse Mom Podcast, where you're going to learn how to ditch the mom stress through renewed mindsets, healthy habits, and balanced nutrition. God is calling you to a life of peace, joy, and rest, even during this crazy season when kids are tugging at your legs, you can't get a minute to yourself, and you feel like you have a million things to do. So if you are ready to leave the stress and busyness behind and step into the goodness that God has for you and your family, then you are in the right place. So set those kiddos up with some Legos, some Play-Doh, or whatever is going to keep them engaged for the next 20 minutes while we dig into today's show. Let's do it. Rachel, so we are so glad to have you on the Nourish Mom podcast today. So I hooked up with Rachel through a through a business group that we're in about podcasting. So, and when I saw her podcast, Hearing Jesus, I knew that I wanted to connect with her. So welcome, Rachel. And so um, you're welcome. Yes, tell us a little bit about yourself, Rachel. Yeah, I am, of course, a mom of three daughters. Uh, I'm married. I live in Pennsylvania and I am a missionary and I've been um, I've done all sorts of different kinds of ministry, both in the local church and internationally. And then I'm also an author and now a podcaster. Awesome. And what I really want to hear about. So Rachel is an author. Can you tell us about your book? When did it come out? And, um, you know, tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, the book is called She Hears, and it came out last year, and really what happened is I, a couple years ago, I had been in uh, local church ministry, and I had written a, a, my previous book, it was called Go, and I had been traveling around the country teaching about some of the um, perspectives and, and things, curriculum and things like that in that book, and I was speaking at different uh, pastors conferences, and what I found is that it didn't really matter if it was in the States or globally, there was just this common thread that a lot of women had where there was really two issues going on. Number one, they were questioning if they were really hearing from God or if it was their own emotions or their own, you know, mental stuff, they couldn't quite figure that out. And number two, questioning themselves because the men in their lives were not always hundred percent supportive of when they did feel like God was talking to them. And there was a variety of reasons for that. Sometimes it was insecurity. Sometimes it was personality. Sometimes it was theology. Um, but because that was a common thread of what I was hearing, it was also very similar to what I was experiencing. 
And so I, on my own, set out to really pursue God's word in that area so I could respond to these women from a place of just really knowing and being confident what God's word said for my own life. And then what that ended up happening was, is I had the opportunity to preach on the Samaritan woman locally and you know, some close friends of mine said, this message is, is bigger than just our church or just our, our circle of influence. You really need to um, consider writing this in a book format. And so I had gone to my publisher at the time and said, you know, this is what I think God has put on my heart. And it, it was just, they were in a transition and they weren't ready to publish anything at that point. Um, so I just really sat out to, to really just do this for personal Bible study. And then fast forward, um, the beginning of the pandemic happened right on the heels of like the Me Too movement and the climate had just changed and the publishers came back and said, well, how soon can you write this book? And I was like, well, funny you should say that because I've been working on it, you know, not in necessarily book format, but in Bible study, personal Bible study. So during the pandemic, when uh, everybody was on lockdown and we couldn't leave our houses and all those kinds of things, God gave me this project to work on. And um, that became such a blessing because I, I think it was John Bevere that said it. And I always take this from him. Um, I was just the first one to read the book. You know, this was really something that God was doing in, in me. And then it kind of became this place to encourage and equip women with really what Jesus said about them. And so the study goes through six women in the life of Jesus and how he interacts with them and how he equips them, encourages them. And really that example is what informs us about our own relationships with Jesus. That's awesome. I love how you spoke about how God was just calling you to do it. And like, that's how he was working with you and like changing your heart and, but really for another purpose, right? For you and for everybody else. But it started with his words to you. And I just think I can definitely relate to that, you know, for sure with the nourished mom that, you know, God put it on my heart to, to reach out to other women. And it, it was almost opposite with me. I thought I was doing it for other women. And then God really showed me that it was for me, you know, and that like my growth was going to happen through this. And I think it's just awesome how God works that way. It's so cool. Nice. Yeah. And I think ultimately with both of those, um, it's really, it boils down to obedience you know, being obedient to what we think God is calling us to do, but yet he has so much more than what we can even think, even when we're stepping out in obedience. Um, and really he's looking for that posture of our heart before he kind of reveals the plan, which I think is scary sometimes, but oh man, when you see God working behind the scenes like that, it's just, it reveals another aspect of like his relationship with us. Yeah. You know, it just reminded me of something my son said last night, we were talking about, we were reading a book and someone had gone to FIT, the Fashion Institute of Technology. And I mentioned, I'm like, you know, I used to want to be a fashion designer and I wanted to go there. And he looked at me and he said, are you disappointed with the way that your life turned out? And I'm like, what? And I was just like, I'm so not disappointed because the plans that I had for myself were nothing in comparison to like what God was doing for me, you know, and the plans that he had for me and for my family. And had I gone down those other routes, you know, it, I wouldn't have these blessings that I have now. And it was just so interesting how his little mind kind of put that together, like almost like the world's expectations, like, oh, well, you didn't go to, you know, that big college that you wanted to go to. Do you still feel like you made it almost, you know? But it's like God's plans for us are so much different than the world's plans. 
And and not only that, but God's plans for us are eternal and they're for us to make an eternal impact, not just our lifetime impact, you know? Yes. I love that. Now tell me a little bit about, so you talk about these six women in the Bible study. Um, can you tell me a little bit about the women and maybe which one you relate to the most or, you know, which one stands out to you? You know, I feel like I relate to all six of them in some ways. Um, and I think as women, there's just you know, aspects of their character and their nature that we can see ourselves in. But I think the hardest one for me to write was definitely about Martha. And um, because I'm a doer, I'm a doer. And I, I, I don't know if you've done much with the Enneagram, but I am an Enneagram eight. And I feel like Martha was an Enneagram eight. Like, I'm just, I don't sit still and I want to do things and I get frustrated whenever other people are not helping. And I had to really set that aside. And, um, and actually the focus of the Martha study is not so much about that scene that we know about her and her sister, Mary. It's more about her interactions with Jesus in the death of Lazarus and how she deals with her grief and how Jesus deals with her in her grief. And that revealed so much to me because Jesus and Martha had a pre-existing friendship before Lazarus died. And so um, the way that Jesus meets her where she's at spoke so much to me because um, of course she's flawed and like we all are, but yet um, Jesus meets us where we're at and um, can redeem all things. And so Martha was definitely the hardest one for me to write because there was so much of myself caught up in that story for sure. Yes. I love the story of Martha. <clears throat> and I think it's kind of for like the same reason, because I feel like I am, is it the type A? I have not done the en en Enneagram or Enneagram. And um, I can totally relate to wanting to get the thing done. You know, and I love that story because I feel like it really spoke to me, like, this is not what it's all about. You know, like, yes, God gives us things to do, but we can't just be focused on like checking the things off the list or, you know, getting things done because we feel like we have to get them done. We have to put God first, right? And Mary was the one sitting at Jesus's feet. And it just always like reminds me like, okay, what is the priority here? Like, should I be doing, you know, checking the things off the list or is God calling me to something else in this moment? You know, maybe it's sitting down with him and doing a Bible study. Maybe it's like paying attention to my kids instead of getting aggravated that they won't let me do the dishes. But it just always speaks to me like to put my priorities in order. You know, Jesus in his kingdom comes first. Yeah, and I think sometimes one of the things that's overlooked in that, in that narrative is um, in that culture, hosting a rabbi was a religious act. Like, so her, you know, preparing a meal and getting things ready was not just personality, but it was her doing what she thought she was supposed to be doing according to what the religious custom of the time was. And for her, from her perspective, it looked like Mary wasn't doing what was expected religiously. And she was. And so there was also this element of like, you know, I, I think about my own life in times where I have been busy serving in ministry and I see other people just not doing ministry the way I think they should be doing it or, or, you know, sitting down and resting. And I, that's something I struggle with resting. I think as moms, like there's always more work to do. And 
yet we see these two aspects of not just the, the differences in personality, but the differences in approach to sincerely thinking that they're doing what is, they're supposed to be doing in that season. And so that helped me understand Martha a little bit better that she just wasn't like hurried, but she really was sincerely doing what she thought it was that she was supposed to be doing. And it was that perspective shift with Jesus that kind of changed things for her. And, and I think that's what changes things for us as well. Oh man, I really, really love that. Cause I didn't realize that. Um, and it just made me think of, so your background in ministry. So you went to Southeastern, right? Yeah. And I'm, uh, I went back to uh, seminary at Biola too. So I've been a study, student of the word for a long time. Nice. Yes. You seem to have so much wisdom and I love hearing this. This is great. So, you know, getting back to when I saw your podcast, She Hears, it just, it really popped out to me because I feel like, you know, I'm always saying, well, let's sit down with God and, you know, ask him this or like pray about this. And I feel for so many women that is abstract and, and, you know, we even all go through seasons, you know, where we feel like we're hearing and we feel like we're not. And, um, you know, what do you think? is standing in the way many of the times when we feel like either we've never heard from God or we feel like we're in a dry season where where we're just not hearing. Well, you know, I think there's different reasons for different seasons. So um, the, the primary way that God speaks to us is through his word. And so there's different levels of, of that. Sometimes women will say that to me and I'll ask them, well, what are you reading in God's word right now? And their answer is, well, I'm not really reading. So if you're not actually reading God's word, he's going to, it's, it's going to be more difficult for you because that's how he speaks to us. But sometimes we can read God's word and not really understand it. And so I had been guilty of for a long time. And a lot of women I knew of doing the Bible plan or, you know, doing the thing so I could check off the box and going through this huge, long, maybe chapter a day or a couple chapters a day of scripture, because that's what the prescribed reading plan was. But I really didn't understand it. I didn't understand how it was relevant to my life. I didn't, it was like, you know, so disconnected from where I was at that it kind of just felt like one more thing I had to do. And of course, when you have a long to-do list and there's babies screaming at you, you know, it gets pushed to the bottom of the pile because it wasn't, it wasn't creating a dynamic where it helped me in my daily life. So it just naturally, that's kind of not, not that that was my intention, but that's just naturally what would happen. And so one of the things I teach in the book is about meditating on God's word. And so I would much rather you take one passage of scripture and stay on that for five days, 10 days, if you have to, to get to a place where you really understand what it's saying. And so there's ways to do that with um, intentional study, but then I pull in a lot of the, the history and the culture around what was happening at the time so that we can understand the relevance for, for our lives. And so if I can understand Martha's story within the context of my own life and my own struggles and my own concerns and how Jesus meets me in that place, it gives me this desire to want to be in the word more. And then not only that, I think sometimes, you know, we don't always, every single time we read the word, have this huge revelation for our lives. And sometimes it happens. Sometimes it doesn't. More often what happens is later as we are just meditating on it, which is something I think we don't really do a whole lot, but as we are meditating on it, and I'm not talking like yoga meditation, I'm talking about keeping God's word. If we're chewing on this um, text for a whole week, um, I might do things like print it out and put it above my sink. So when I'm washing dishes, I can see it, or I put it in the bathroom so I can even 
even if there's just one verse that I'm really just kind of wanting to commit to memory or to my heart. And so a lot of times what will happen is I'll be out and about and somebody will ask me a question. And then all of a sudden that scripture I was meditating on two or three weeks ago, God brings that to my heart. And those are the moments that where we know that God is speaking to us because he's using his word. Sometimes it's for us. Sometimes it's for other people. Sometimes it's for the season we're in right now. And sometimes it's for us to use later. But I, I really do believe that when we are obedient to um, just committing to spending time in, in God's word, that that does not come back null or void. Like he will use that even if it's just for our own lives. Um, but God's timing is not always our timing. And I think sometimes we just struggle with that as women, like, so true. Hey, I want it. I want the meat. I want it now. I want power for my life so I can get through the rest of my day. Right. And then the revelation. Yeah. And I think really the focus needs to be um, being in his presence all day instead of like, okay, opening my Bible or opening up my Bible app, doing the thing, checking it off and then closing it and forgetting about it. Instead, mm -hmm. I really want it to be um, a, a tool that helps us to use this so we can meditate on it throughout our whole day. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Cause I can definitely relate to that, like checking it off the list sometimes, you know, and I think as moms, it's just like kind of how we go like, all right, I need you this, 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 all right, let's get it done. But it's like, you're not taking the time to actually let it sink in, you know? So I love that, like meditating on it and going slow, like picking one verse or, you know, one chapter and just like letting it sink in. And I think I read over um, some of your book and you do that in the book, right? Yeah, we use the color method in the book, which really what that does is it really just forces you to spend some time and really comprehend what it's saying. Um, because if we don't understand what it's saying in the first place, we won't understand what it's saying for our lives. Like we have to understand what it's actually saying. And I think um, we as Americans just don't really read to comprehend. You know, we, we read to accomplish, but we don't read to comprehend. And so by slowing down, you know, one day we might be looking at um, all of the characters, like who's, who, who are we talking about? We're talking about Martha and Mary and how are they related to Lazarus and Jesus? And, you know, we're really focusing on the who, and another day we might be focusing on time. So, okay, why, what's the significance of the fact that, that it was four days or, you know, there's all sorts of things that go into that, that when we don't stop to think about, we can easily skip over really important aspects of what God's trying to reveal through his word. And what I have found is, you know, if I spend a whole week on 10 verses at the end of that week, I understand that so much better than if I had plowed through five chapters, you know, so yeah. that process of slowing down, I think helps it get it into our hearts a little bit better. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, what are some of your like favorite tools to kind of dig into the history and what it means? Well, you know, most um, good study Bibles will have in the beginning of a Bible, they'll have um, just a little introduction that kind of explains who wrote um, that scripture, what the time frame was. Um, what I think is really important to do is to read within the context and um, never read less than a whole chapter. And so while you might be focusing on just a couple verses or one, they call it a pericope, like one uh one paragraph in that scripture, it's really important to read maybe what's before it and what's after it. Mm -hmm. And it, and studying in that way helps us to understand what it meant for the original audience, because what it means for the original audience is what's going to inform us to, to what it means now. And so, you know, instead of, I think sometimes what happens is 
we'll, you know, in, in group settings, we'll read something. And then the common question is, well, what does this mean to you? And I think before we yes. ask that question, we have to say, what does this mean? Mm-hmm. What did, what did this mean to the original audience? Because when we understand what it meant to the original audience, then we can, it will reveal aspects of God's character and nature. And then we apply it to what it means, what it means to us. But, um, you know, that's where I think we get in trouble sometimes when we start cherry picking different verses, and then we can manipulate them to fit our agenda and instead of allowing God to set the agenda. Yes, I totally agree with that. And I know like, it's so easy because I like, well, I like to study topically sometimes as well, you know, and look up like all the things on, you know, stress or anxiety and look up all of the different verses. But it's so important, like you said, because you can twist those things. And I mean, we've had people, I'm sure everybody knows someone who's used scripture in a way that it wasn't really meant for. And that really can get confusing and just lead people astray. So I think that like what you're saying is so important. And I do find myself sometimes not reading the whole chapter. So that's such a good point to really keep in mind, like really focus on, you know, what's before, what's after. So we know like, what is it truly saying in context? So, you know, I really, I really want to give my listeners some, some direction on like, how do we get started? Like, I, I think most of my listeners are, are in their Bible. And I mean, I think that a good way to get started is definitely with your Bible study. But what are some tips that you might have for women that are like, just kind of in a season of not, not hearing? You know, I think, um, for me, what, what really helps for me is um, worship as, an, as a part of that. Um, there have been seasons in my life where I have been doing all the things that I know to do um, emotionally and maybe mentally, but spiritually, my heart is like congested where I might be sitting down and I sincerely want to hear God's word or what he has to say in his word, but I'm also distracted. I think we fight distraction a lot as moms. And so um, even just one worship song, putting on one worship song and really just kind of even if it's with a baby on your hip, um, really kind of getting your heart in a posture of being open to what, what, what God wants to say in that moment, that can really change the spiritual climate. And so I think that's really helpful worship. Um, obviously prayer, prayer is something that I think, um, you know, sometimes we can skip through prayer or we can kind of add prayer on as like a tag at the end, like, okay, God bless my day. And then, you know, we're doing it or, you know, we pray in the, I pray in the car with the kids. And I, and I think, you know, of course I want to pray for protection for the kids going to school and those kinds of things, but that's a lot different than intentionally spending some time in prayer for the things that, you know, that are burdening our hearts. And so, you know, recognizing that there's different kinds of prayer and being intentional in our prayer lives, I think is, is really helpful. And then I would slow down. I think that's hard for women. Um, but I would encourage people to just stay on the same passage, like pick, pick their favorite passage, but stay with it for the whole week and read it maybe even in different versions. Sometimes people are prickly about that. Um, I know I never do that, but I always like want to, I don't know why I don't. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I think, you know, we, I have a, a, a favorite, um, older pastor who's a mentor and he always says, well, the King James, you got to read the King James. And I don't ever read the King James. No, me either. And, and, but what I have found is sometimes if I'm doing study and I read the King James, it just will say it in a little bit different way. I'm like, Oh, you know, I didn't think about it that way before, but in all honesty, if you were reading in English, you're reading a translation, like the, the Bible was not written in, English, in modern day English. And yeah. so, um, really, 
really holding true loyalty to a certain translation because you think it's like the closest to the Bible, the original text, unless you're reading Greek or Hebrew or Aramaic, you're not, you're reading a translation. So I, my perspective on that is, you know, what I might do is I might read through it on Monday in, I use the NASB for study. Um, and then on Tuesday, I might read it through it in like the NIV or the New King James or something. And then on Wednesday, maybe I'll even read it in a paraphrase in the message or um, the new one I love is the passion translation. Um, and, and it's a newer, they don't, I don't think they have the whole thing translated, but most of the New Testament is. And so I will just do that. I'll read through it and with different translations. And then something happens with our brain by about four or five times reading it, God starts to reveal things that we didn't see on day one or day two. And so really kind of praying through it and even just sharing about what you're learning, it starts to build in this craving for, for God's word. And, you know, there was a season in my life where I was early, it was early on in ministry and, um, I was doing children's ministry and I was at this dinner with, um, a bunch of like pastors and ministry missionaries and things like that ministry leaders. And at the end of the dinner, there was an elderly missionary. He had, he was 83 and he had been in Africa for most of his life and he had come home because he was having some health issues. And so, um, I had the opportunity to have him, he, he prayed over me and as he prayed, he just wept and he, he prayed that, that God would give me a love for God's word. And at the time I was, I was younger at the time. I remember thinking like, I want that. I, I don't have that. Like I, yeah. I want to be so in love with God's word that I weep. But that's never been the case. And so I, that was an eye opener for me. And so I started praying that way, like, Lord, give me a love for your word. Like right now I'm not, I, I, I want to be there, but that's not where I'm at. So give me a love for your word. And that's really what sent me on this quest to like really study the history and the culture of the, the worlds of the old and new Testament so that we could understand it. So I could understand it and then communicate it in a way that drew people in that they would fall in love with it because that's really the whole goal is to know Jesus and to make him known. And the best way to do that is through his word. Yes. Having that love for his word is going to fill us up, you know, but we get so resistant sometimes I feel like. Yeah, for sure. And I, you know, I think there's a little bit of grace there too, for the seasons of motherhood that are busier than others. Yeah. Like and, and I think some of it is being intentional. Like I, one of the things that's a favorite of mine is when um, I have friends that are pregnant or getting ready to deliver, I will always get them some sort of calendar that will have a scripture on it, whether it's the Jesus calling or some sort of like devotional, like the tear off daily scripture calendars, yep. because in those seasons, sometimes that's all you can do. But what I have found is like, I remember sticking that on top of my dryer and when my kids were little and I would, because of course you have to do laundry when you have a baby. Right. <laughs> and so I wouldn't necessarily have time to read my Bible, but I would do laundry and I would see God's word in front of me. And then I would take that verse and just meditate on that. And of course I'm in and out of the laundry room all day long. Yeah. So I see it in front of me all day. So there's things that we can do to be intentional about getting God's word in us. And whether that is, you know, listening to a podcast or, you know, the Bible, the audio version of the Bible, I have that and use that a lot too, you know, yeah. when I'm driving or I'm just exhausted and I can't even bring myself to read, um, just being intentional with getting God's word in you, I think really helps a lot, especially in those drier seasons. Yeah. I love the laundry thing. That's such a good idea. I'm always talking about like habits and habit stacking. And I think that's so awesome because like you're doing the laundry anyway, you know, yeah. put something there. So it like feeds your soul. 
That's awesome. So I was reading through some of, um, you know, the stuff that you had in your book and just like about you. And um, I don't know if you said this or I just read it in the thing, but I wrote down, Jesus spoke to women crossing cultural barriers and he still speaks to them today. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, you know, I think um, being a woman in ministry, it's a male dominated field, you know, and, yeah. um, and, and even if my church or Southeastern is very egalitarian, um, and, but even if my church was that way, it's not always, you know, I, I will often come up against other people that might be, disagree that women should be in ministry leadership. Um, and in fact, even at Children of the Nations, we are very pro-women, um, but you work with people from all different churches that mm. might have different views. And so um, I think it's really easy to rest in this place of insecurity, yet you know that God's called you and you know that there's evidence and fruit and all that, but yet when the world kind of steps in and says, you know, you shouldn't be doing this. And so what I wanted to do with the study, especially was to show how God use Jesus to validate and call and equip women. And so we, there's a couple of different ways that we do that um, throughout the study. We see that throughout the scriptures. Um, a really good example is with the Samaritan woman. Um, that's the longest recorded conversation that we have with Jesus and an individual. And it was a woman. And wow. she's also the first person commissioned to go and share the gospel with, with Gentiles. He's, he sent her into her town. And I think about the fact that, you know, everybody, hopefully, you know, the Samaritan woman story, uh, the disciples had been in town all day. And when they came back, they were empty. I mean, they had food, but they didn't have any people with them. Yeah. And it wasn't until the woman went, Jesus sent her down, or she was so overfilled with, with her interaction with him that she went in town and it was her testimony that drove people back to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I think, okay, well, there's, there's this, um, biblical principle called the law of the first mention and the law of the first mention basically says like the first time something is mentioned in scripture pay attention because there's special significance there it's setting a precedent and so i have to believe that if jesus says everything with an intention and the first time he commissions somebody to go into <laughs> preach the gospel to gentiles is a woman he values the words of women. And so that's what we do throughout every chapter of the book. We look at how does Jesus interact with women? Because again, that whole meta narrative scripture, meaning the, the Old Testament, the New Testament, everything, it's all this one big storyline uh, of scripture. It all points to Jesus. And so we have to read through the lens of Jesus. And so when people do cherry pick verses out or start to criticize women in ministry, you have to do that through the lens of Jesus. And if Jesus validated me or Jesus validated her, then your opinion doesn't matter so much because I'm more concerned with about the identity I have and, and who God calls me to be and what Jesus says about me. And, you know, there are going to be arguments on both sides of the table, but I feel like as women, we have to be confident in what God says about us. And then those voices of the world start to fade away a little bit easier. Um, that I just love that so much. I can definitely relate to, you know, when I first started, so, um, and God really called me to start to like, keep him, like talk about him in the business. And that was like, so scary, but it was like these feelings of insecurity that because I was female, like, who am I? And I mean, I talk to females mostly, but like just stepping out and saying like, I'm going to teach about God 
was very scary. Like, I want to tell people about Jesus. I mean, for some reason, like, am I good enough? I know that I'm not like, basically I'm female. <laughs> like, is that okay? I did have like those like thoughts in the back of my mind, like as I was building this, those insecurities and definitely the enemy spoke into that, you know? Yeah. So, and I think, you know, that insecurity piece is something that the enemy uses to keep women from stepping into their, to their calling. Yeah. You know, and, and even when you're operating within your calling, there's insecurity because you feel like it's very easy to feel like, man, I, am I even doing this right? Or am I saying this right? Or am I going to screw these people up? You know, yeah, right. <laughs> this, this insecurity, but it's, it's that, um, it's the confidence of knowing what Jesus says. And that's kind of why I did the Bible study for my own personal use, because I was like, well, I want to make sure that what I'm saying is right. And I want to make sure that I'm not leading people astray. And it's not based on feelings. Yeah, yes. it's, it's, it's based on God's word. That's awesome. Now you spoke about Martha, which I, I love that story. And I, I love how we related that. Um, is there another one of the six that you really, um, that really stood out to you? Okay. So of course there's aspects and elements of each of the stories that are just near and dear to my heart. But the one that I think um, really was new for me was studying Mary, Jesus's mother, because um, as a Protestant evangelical, I, for some reason, just always had this like block when it came to studying Mary. I just felt like, oh, that's a Catholic thing. And right. I just, I didn't. And I really didn't hear much teaching on her in church. Like we, or if we did, it was like the Christmas story. There wasn't much past that. And so um, the story, the narrative that we look at is the wedding at Cana where Jesus does his first miracle. And we see almost like a transition of authority because Mary, if you remember at this point, Jesus was being raised by, she was a single mom, like Joseph had, had died at that point. And so Jesus as her son, there would have been a measure of authority that she had over him as a mother and son relationship. We understand those dynamics just humanly and, and Jesus didn't sin. So he wasn't going to be like our rebellious teenagers, you know? And so there was a measure of authority that Jesus permitted her to have. And so I think that's an important fact that, that women obviously had authority. And then the women in that culture were responsible for imparting the Torah, the knowledge of the Torah, that's awesome. Yeah. And so there is a measure of authority that Mary had over Jesus. And the, at the wedding at Cana, um, when, when he speaks to her and he talks about how it's not my time. And, and we talk about the connotation of the, of the word woman, where I think sometimes we uh, miscommunicate that where, where he says, women, woman, uh, it's not my time. That's not it's not him putting her in her place. And for a long time, I read it that way. Like, yeah. okay, woman, that's not what it was in that culture, that word, it was a term of endearment. And so it was a very kind, compassionate response. It wasn't like her putting him, putting her in her place. So instead, what we see this is, is this tender, kind exchange where he says to her, it's not yet my time. And then she recognizes it and she lays down her authority and, and she surrenders her authority because now he's giving his hundred percent authority. It is coming from God. It's no longer coming from her. And so we see this transition in the relationship and for me, my daughter is 18. She's graduating in three weeks. Wow. And now I have to lay down this authority I've had over her for the last 18 years. It's incredibly hard, but reading through the lens of, of the dynamic between um, Mary and Jesus and the faith that we see and the example we see in Mary and how she trusts God with her son 
And um, it, it was such an encouragement to me in the season I'm in as, as a mom, like, okay, if Mary can do it, I can do it. It's hard, but yeah. we see that example in her. And I think Mary's life is just something that we don't, at least I had not studied and I had not thought about it. No, I haven't yet, really. Think about, yeah. I mean, we think about it at, at, at the birth and we think about it at the cross, yep. but all of these exchanges in between, how incredibly difficult that must have been. Um, but yet I have encouragement to see, okay, um, Jesus recognizes that at least by some measure that women do have spiritual authority. They do have emotional, physical authority. And um, it also speaks to this place of having to lay that down when God's at, when God asks us to lay something down yeah. and, and how do we do that with grace? Right. Oh yeah. I know. Like I've read it somewhere before, you know, where they were talking about how um, it was like a parenting book and how really, you know, our children are gods. And he loves them more than we ever could. And, but like, just thinking of where you're at with like your daughter going to college and like, yeah, like laying that down, you know, like just like giving, saying, God, I know you have this and trusting in his plan for her. Yeah. And like Mary, you know, she was a real mom too. You know, it's like, we almost like so many people in the Bible, we just like, like, we don't relate to them as real people sometimes. I think I love when I actually like look and try to think of like, how would they have felt? You know, what would have they been thinking? Like Mary had to go through all of those emotions, you know, and say like, yes, God, like you're in control of my son's life. Like he, you know, I mean, who even knows what she thought at that point? Like Jesus is God. Like, like, how do you even think about that as a mom? Like, you know. Yeah. And I mean, we don't know exactly what she thought, but we know what she did and her response was faith and obedience. And I think that speaks to so much to regardless of what we're thinking or what our emotions are, um, really what God calls us to is to be obedient and, and to trust him. I love it. I love your wisdom. You have so much wisdom. That's great. All right. So, um, you know, kind of wrapping up, usually my podcasts are about like a half an hour. What, is there anything you want to say to the listeners of this podcast? Well, I think that um, no matter what, God longs to have that relationship with each of us. And so even the fact that if you're listening to this podcast, it's one of the ways that he's drawing you to himself. And so my prayer would be that um, you would pay attention to that and to the ways that God seeks us out and he pursues us. And one of the things that I just love about the way that God operates is that he's gentle and he's tender, but he's always present. And so um, I think we can sometimes take advantage of that because we know he's always going to be there. So, you know, of course, oh, this is a dry season for me, or this is a season of parenting um, that's more difficult, but he wants to be in those seasons with us. And I think the temptation is to think like, okay, I have to have this, this, hour long chunk of time so I can sit mm-hmm. down here with God. And I think he wants to be involved in the everyday, in those everyday moments. And I think the first step is, is allowing him to do that. And, and, and then trusting that he is going to do that and looking for him. I think that's a big part of it. Awesome. Um, where can we find you? Your, where can we find your book? Where can we find all the things? Well, the book is pretty much everywhere books are sold. Um, most Christian bookstores have it, or if it's a smaller bookstore, they can order it. Of course, Amazon, um, Barnes Noble, Walmart, all those places. My encouragement is always to go to your local Christian bookstore, though, because I feel like, I don't know, that I just like to support those people. And yeah. then um, over my website, you can get it on my website. My website is shehears.org, and the podcast is calling 
called the Hearing Jesus Podcast. And um, I think the reason why I called it the Hearing Jesus Podcast was because we started with She Hears, because of course that's the book, but we're going to be doing all sorts of things, um, covering things like spiritual growth or mm-hmm. prayer or just all different dynamics of our faith walk. And so um, really the goal really is to point women back to to really hearing what, what Jesus has to say to them and about them. Great. Would you mind closing us in prayer? Absolutely. God, thank you so much that you can work through podcasts and books and um, all the ways to, to reach our hearts. Lord, I pray that even now you would start to draw the listeners closer to you. God, that you would give them a craving for your word, a craving to know you and to make you known. Lord, I pray that as they um, step into that space, that you would meet them where they're at, no matter what season they're in, seasons of parenting and um, busyness and toddlers and babies or teenagers. God, thank you that um, you know, you know where we're at, you know where to find us. And so Lord, I pray for even right now, um, some divine moments and sacred echoes where we would hear your voice calling us to yourself. We thank you so much for the treasure of your word and the way that it reveals who you are. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Rachel. Real quick before you go, if this podcast blessed you or inspired you in any way, could you please take a minute to write a review on Apple Podcasts? Writing a review is the number one way that you can help me to reach more moms just like you. And reading your reviews truly inspires me and encourages me to keep doing this work. Also, don't forget to connect with other like-minded mamas in our Facebook community so that we can encourage and uplift each other on this journey. The link to the Facebook group is in the show notes. Thank you for listening and may your heart overflow with God's peace and love. God bless.